I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. We'll read uh, this chapter in its entirety. If you're visiting with us today as a church family, we've been going through the book of Exodus, uh, where it tells the, the, the great story of God setting his people free. And so one of the things that we've emphasized throughout is how life itself and freedom in life are gifts, they're precious gifts that God gives. And because they're gifts that he gives ultimately to us, we want to learn uh, how to honor him with those precious things. We never want to take them for granted. We never want to take a single day for granted and any privilege or freedom uh, that we currently enjoy. Uh, but it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes we just assume things. We assume there's a tomorrow. We assume there's a next week. We assume that we'll feel tomorrow the way we feel right now. And uh, we shouldn't do that, and we can't do that. Um, but always to be on guard uh, and always prepared to be thankful uh, for what we have when we have it. So this is Exodus chapter 16. The people have uh, made it through the Red Sea on dry land, and they have seen Pharaoh and all of his uh, horsemen buried in that same sea and they celebrated triumphantly last week a song of worship to God and this is what follows they set out from Elim and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin which is between Elim and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and the people of Israel said to them would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the fool. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness. And behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was in the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. And you shall each take an omer, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more, some less. But when they measured it, 
with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. And morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. And so they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you'll not find in it the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And so the people of Israel rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like a coriander seed, white, and the taste of it like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. And the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept and the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the 10th part of an ephah. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. It's an amazing story of bread coming to the people of Israel from heaven. And it shows us, though, how quickly uh, such an amazing experience, a miraculous experience of the Red Sea didn't last long in their minds and imaginations for uh, sort of sustaining them for what they were going to need for future days. What I mean is, God provided them on that day when they couldn't see a way out and they thought it was all over. And yet here they are now on a different day and they can't simply look back and say, well, you know, that's what he did for us and so there's nothing else that we need. Like, no, they realize they still need him. Just like they needed him then and they needed him to do something that would have been outside of even their imagination here, they recognize they still need him. They are a, a nation of people in a wilderness, not yet home, and so not yet set up with the local bakery and restaurant and different things that they can go to. They are on a journey, and they're going to need God every day along this journey. And the provision that he makes for them one day, however dramatic it is, never negates the fact that they're going to need him on yet another day, that they're going to continue to need him 
uh, as it goes forward. And so that's one of the first things that we uh, identify as we look at this passage, that we as people that are creatures who are not God, we are just humans, we have daily needs. And as much as we would love to say uh, that we don't or think that we're beyond that, it's just simply not true. Like, it doesn't matter how big of a meal you ate on Friday night. If you haven't eaten since Friday, you're probably hungry. And you're like, let's get this going. There's a lunch. I heard you say that. There's going to be food out back. It really doesn't matter how much you might have eaten. Thursday, Friday, um, we're designed in such a way that we need things frequently. We have daily and regular needs. I'm a huge uh, soccer fan, and there's a tournament happening right now uh, called the Euro Cup. Uh, It happens every four years, and it was supposed to happen last year, but it was canceled because of COVID. So the Euro 2020 is happening right now in 2021. But uh, yesterday, in a match between Denmark and Finland, a player collapsed on the field. These are people who are about in as good a physical condition as you can possibly be on the planet, to run at almost full speed for 90 minutes and with overtime up to two hours worth of time. And it was right before, it was towards the end of the first half and nobody knew what was going on, but all of a sudden this otherwise incredibly healthy person was collapsed and needed immediate attention and CPR. And so then players from both teams, because now it's a full stadium and being live broadcast across the world and nobody knows how this is going to go, just surround him so that nobody can see what's now being done to preserve his life. But it was a scary moment that then they suspended the match and only until they got word that he had come to, that he was talking, and though he was hospitalized, he was stable, did they then say, in a few hours, we'll resume the match. Because every other player on either team was just visibly shaken by what took place yesterday on the field. Because in that moment, they saw just how fragile life is. That uh, as good of a player as he uh, is, as much of in shape as he is, just like the rest of them, that it came to a sudden situation where he needs his next breath. And you and I are like that. We don't pay attention to it. But you've already, just in the course of the time that you've been here, have breathed in and breathed out. And if you haven't been, you still wouldn't be with us. That's how fragile our lives are. We need oxygen. We need food. We need water. And we can't bank on the oxygen we got two days ago or the water we got a week ago or the food. Like these are needs that we have and they don't go away. That's part of what it means to be human is to have that. So we could come to this text and look at how quickly like the children of Israel grumbling and if we're prone to sort of a self-righteousness be like, I can't believe they're complaining. You know, look at look what God did for them. I mean, he was so amazing how he brought them through uh, this experience in the Red Sea and then here they are grumbling. Yet when you read the story multiple times it says God has heard your grumbling which uh, as a parent of young kids I'm like I'm expecting the next sentence to be and he's really mad at you. Right? Like God has heard you grumbling and complaining and he's going to like give you a lecture on why you're not supposed to do that. But that's not what's said throughout the passage. It says he's heard your grumbling and he's going to provide for your needs. 
He's heard the cries of your heart. You're looking around and you don't know where the next meal is going to come from. And you're scared. You feel the vulnerability of that. For all that was painful about Egypt in the, the experience of slavery, there were a number of things you didn't have to think about because they were provided. And so in their expression of, why did you bring us out here? We had so much there. We would rather have, uh, we remember what it was like to eat meat in Egypt and here you bring us now to die in the wilderness. God has compassion for them to say, yeah, just like you couldn't see how the waters could potentially part and you could go through on dry ground, you can't right now see how you're going to be sustained through this experience. But you do need it. You need to be sustained because we don't have it within ourselves to sustain uh, our energy for very long. We have daily needs. We are creatures. And we might sometimes think of only little kids as sort of being vulnerable and dependent. But it's not just them. <laughs> it is all of us who have these needs. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. To just acknowledge that, that you're a human being just like I am. And there's nobody you can see that uh, is either of uh, political power or uh, fame and entertainment or anything that seems to be larger than life that actually is any less vulnerable than you and I are. They have the daily needs just like you and I do because it's what it means for us to be creatures. And this uh, experience of the children of Israel in the wilderness is something that brings them home. And what takes place throughout the rest of Exodus for the children of Israel is that they physically have now been rescued from Egypt. Pharaoh's gone. His armies are no longer pursuing them. So they're getting out of Egypt. But God also needs to get the mentality of Egypt out of them. He needs to set them free from the inside out to the only life they've known. And one of the things that he does not want them to do is when they sense this vulnerability and the, the frailty of their humanity is to now do to each other what Pharaoh had did to them. Because that's ultimately what Pharaoh was doing. He knew his kingdom, his power wasn't gonna stand forever it wasn't going to be sustained on its own. And so what he did was take advantage of other people to try to make himself feel more safe and secure. And as those people grew and his insecurity grew, what if these people ever turn on me? What if they ever decide not to work for me anymore? What if they ever decide to leave? He only became more harsh towards them. And he chose to handle the frailty of his humanity and his empire by becoming abusive towards other people. To give himself a false sense of security and sustainability. And God, in rescuing the people of Israel, does not want them now to handle the reality of their humanity in this same way. He doesn't want them to become slave masters for each other. His goal is to liberate them, to set them free, to set them all free. And so then we see how he does that, even as how he provides for them. There's manna everywhere. There's quail eventually for, for all of the families. And he wants all of them to participate. 
in receiving what God has given them so that all of them realize that it's ultimately God who's providing for their needs and that it's their responsibility to receive it and to enjoy it, to take advantage of it, and to slowly invite them into this relationship by faith by intentionally not providing for them a month from now what they need Uh, what they need a month from now giving it to them today but saying you're going to go and get it every day and I want you to learn how to trust me and one of the ways you're going to learn that is by not trying to take what you need for the future too much but keep it to today and some of them uh, tried hard uh, but they're humans and they said wait a minute let's just we gathered but let's just keep a little bit for tomorrow just in case. And then they found that stank. (laughs) That was a bad decision. That was horrible. That was not something they wanted in their tent the next day if they refused to consume it that day. And I don't know how it was for you uh, last March or April when you started to hear the first time in my experience uh, uh, in, in this environment that grocery stores were starting to run out of things. And I can remember like the conversation at home and be like, listen, we don't need like four months of toilet paper. I promise, like we don't. We don't need cereal for the next three months, but it is hard for a mama bear not to like think of what provision would mean for her children. And so we started to acquire a little bit more than we needed, not knowing what would be uh, run out of in a store. And it was, yeah, no, that's, it's just human of us. Like we... We want to know that there's uh, gonna be what we need there to be in the future. And it does require wisdom to think that through. But here, for the children of Israel, in this moment in the wilderness, as they can feel these, these daily needs that they have, God is inviting them into a trusting relationship with him, to rely upon him, to believe that ultimately he is the one that they need, and that as he continues to be with him, they will have what they need when they need it. And so he wants them to see that. But then it also goes not only from their daily needs, but part of that is this establishment of weekly rest. So there's one day that's different. There's one day where they are supposed to collect more than they need so that there would be one day where none of them work. None of them have to go outside of their home situation, their tent in order to have a sufficient meal. And all along the way, uh, the passage is clear. God is testing them to see how they'll respond to him. Did it have to be the last day? Could it be a different day? Sure, it's a little bit uh, arbitrary. I mean, it follows the pattern of creation, but the way God designed it is to say, these are the days you're gonna do this, and there's a day you're gonna do that. And he knows what he's doing uh, in designing it that way. But another way that we can respond to our sense of daily needs and our vulnerability to things is to overwork. And God is specifically encouraging his people to not do that, uh, to take a break. And some of them uh, are tested in a way that they go out on that seventh day and say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm just gonna go look and see if there's anything still around to find out Nope, there's nothing here. You really needed to double up yesterday. That's what you needed to do. And we need, just like we need oxygen and like we need 
water and like we need food. We need rest. And how well we rest is a huge indicator of then how much energy we have and how well we can function in our tasks. And so we need rest every day. Like if you didn't sleep last night, I've already put you to sleep right now. Even if you did sleep last night, I'm really good at putting people to sleep. But even in daily rest, your mind needs a break. Your body needs a break. And you need more than just a night of sleep. You need a day. And then for most of us, eventually realize on a, on a calendar of a year, sometimes you need even more than a night's rest and more than a day a week rest, but you need like a week break in a 52-week time frame or more. But we all need that. We're designed that way, that if we don't get those rests, it affects how we work. And that's something that, again, when they think back on Egypt, that Pharaoh did not afford them. Pharaoh and his cruelty to them, at one point when they requested going out into the wilderness to worship, responded by saying, I'm gonna make you work harder, and therefore you're gonna get no rest. I'm gonna take away what you need to do the job that you're required to do, so that you just have to work and work and work. And again, he doesn't want his people to now treat each other that way. And so all of them have this responsibility to make sure that the rest of them can rest and get the break that they need. And here in the last year, that was one of those things that for many people they, uh, was a, a lesson it felt like we learned. We're connected all the time, right? Uh, if you have a smartphone, you can get information about things that are happening at almost any point in the world in real time. When I put my phone on airplane mode before the service started, the first set of the French Open final was 5-5. If anybody wants to check and gives me a thumb ups or down on how the first set went, I'll take it, but I'm not gonna look at my own phone until after service. But it's amazing, like I can be sitting here and look and see what's happening uh, on another continent and have a, a real time update on that. Well, the goodness of being able to do that has meant for most of us, the clock never stops. People can access us almost any point in time. And so it's harder for us to take the rest that we're supposed to take because we're available. And yet it's not good. You know, we don't walk around with our own sort of battery life, but uh, if again, you imagine your phone and it says, hey, like you're operating on like 10%, like go plug in, or you're gonna be unreachable some of us are there emotionally and spiritually. And it'd be almost impossible for any of us to tell just by looking at you this morning. But you're at like 2% battery. And if you don't stop and you don't rest, you are going to do something that you regret. And it wouldn't seem like a hard thing to tell people to do take a break, <laughs> relax. There's, there's, you can't figure it all out today. You can't solve every problem today. Uh, you know, it's okay to admit that. It's okay to acknowledge that. It is an area, I would say, in my own life, and I think I'm not alone in it, but in many people's lives, that becomes one of the hardest principles to establish. When are you not available to people? When do you not pick up your phone? When do you say, I'm not going to check my email or I'm not going to respond to this or that for a long enough time that you can reset 
and recalibrate. And you don't just need that for bad days, you need that for good days. Because even good days can be really exhausting. There's a story in the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah, who again has an amazing experience, almost you know, for him, this as dramatic as the Red Sea experience for children of Israel, and uh, with the prophets of Baal, and he has this encounter where God brings down uh, uh, a, dr- a dramatic sign of his power and glory that Elijah represents the true God and the prophets of Baal do not. And it's almost right after that that Elijah goes through a period of depression. When he had just had an amazingly good experience, not a bad one, a good one, but he's exhausted <laughs> because even good experiences exhaust us. They can wear us out. And so we need to establish the rhythm that whether it was a good week or a bad week, you need a break. Whether this was a long year for you or the best year you've ever had, we need to establish the rhythm of it so that it can do what it needs to do for us in both of those seasons. It can keep us open and available and generous to people, and it can also uh, refresh us and sustain us when we are weighed down. But we need the weekly rhythms, just like we have the daily needs and we need daily rhythms. We need weekly rhythms and we need annual rhythms that help us get the rest that we do. And so God in his kindness to his people is telling them, learn how to take that break that you're gonna need. Uh, I don't know if you saw one of the most powerful things I saw, not even just this week, but in a long time. Uh, there was just such a testimony to the world was a young lady that sang on America's Got Talent this week. Her name was Jane. And she was just about 30 years old, I believe she said. And she came up on stage and they said, uh, what are you going to sing for us? And she said, I'm going to sing for you a song that's uh, it's called It's Okay. And they said, oh, what's it about? And she said, it's about the last year of my life. They said, oh, okay, well, what, what do you do for work? And um, the last couple of years of your life. And she said, actually, I'm not able to work because I, I have cancer. And so I've been in treatments uh, for so long that it really hasn't enabled me to work. And so then Simon Cow says, so how are you doing right now? And she goes, well, last I checked, I have cancer in, and then she listed the three different parts of her body that she has cancer. And so then one of the other people leans in and says, so you're not okay. And she says, no, not in every way. She grew up in Zanesville, Ohio. Uh, She went to Liberty University for undergrad and for a good amount of her time was actually a worship leader. Uh, So go and watch this afterwards uh, if you haven't seen it yet. But then she sings the song. Uh, It's a short song, but it's an original song that she wrote. And all of the judges are just moved to tears. And uh, I don't normally watch the show, so I don't know if it goes in the same order every time, but it goes through everybody, and then it gets to Simon, and he's so visibly moved that he's crying, and he can't find the words to say just how in awe he is that this very young girl dealing with a profoundly serious situation could so almost casually share about it and then beautifully and powerfully sing in front of a live audience. And so she, as he's trying to find the words, offers some of the most beautiful words uh, I've heard recently. But she says, eventually you realize you can't wait 
until life isn't hard to choose to be happy. Which makes him start crying all over again. (laughs) You can't wait until life isn't hard to choose to be happy. And so then they ring the golden buzzer, which I didn't even know what that meant and had to look up afterwards uh, what it meant, but it was an incredibly powerful and beautiful testimony that she gave to say, uh, recognizing her needs, uh, uncertain about the future. At the end, she then said, uh, you know, most people are giving me a 2% chance right now, and I just want them to know how thankful I am for that. that it's, there's, there's a chance, and there is reasons to find joy in the midst of that, and to worship God. And the song, it's a beautiful song, is mostly the acknowledgement to say it's okay to be human and it's okay to feel like you're lost and that things aren't working out the way you thought they were. I mean, that's the gist of the song. It's beautiful. The song isn't, I know how everything's gonna go and I know uh, exactly why everything's happening. No, it's a, just a truthful, painful, but beautiful song. A grumbling to God that he's not offended by, that he has all the capacity in his heart to receive. And that's part of what's driven home in our passage today is that in our daily needs, in our weekly need for rest, in a rhythm of worship, we are sustained by our eternal God. There's this sort of fast forward that happens at the end of the chapter that says, so this dynamic of daily manna of weekly rest, God provides for them for 40 years. He does it for them every day and every week until they make it all the way home. And that's where you say, wow, who has the capacity for that? (laughs) We don't have the capacity for the future on our own, but does he have the patience for us in our need? to provide for us, to care for us, to love us. And when we say, what is this? What, what, what am I having right now? To hear him say, this is what he's given you for today. And this is enough for you today to live the way he's called you. It would then be the Messiah who would come and teach all of us to pray and say, hey, you might not be in the wilderness right now, You might not be exactly wondering where your next meal is going to come from, but the sooner that you can learn in your faith walk that you need to pray to God for your daily bread and for your daily need for forgiveness, the better off you and I will be. So let's pray the prayer that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.